Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. We're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting our community. I'm Mike Turner, and today in the Speakeasy, we have Dennis Conforto. Dennis is the co-founder of House Check. Sorry, he's the founder of House Check and the chairman and the board of local nonprofit House Check Foundation. Welcome to the Speakeasy. Dennis. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you. So, okay. Um, I was reading some of your backstory, uh, and it's, it's, I'm really excited to see you because it sounds like you have a, quite the background and you're up to lots of cool stuff. So maybe just to get started, um, tell us a little bit of, you know, how, you know, are you, are you from Idaho or are you, how'd you come to Idaho? I'm not from Idaho. Okay. But I'll be buried in Idaho. Okay. So I am an Idahoan. If <laughs> right. you're buried in Idaho, you've become Th- an that Idahoan. Counts. So right. that counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually from, uh, and I know this is a bad thing to say in Idaho, but I'm actually from Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, from San Diego. So okay. if you're from California and you're going to be from someplace and you want it to be a cool place, San mm-hmm. Diego is definitely the cool place to, sure. to be. I know yeah. all, all my friends here in Idaho love to go down to San Diego, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy that they at least like that place. But I, uh, five years ago, uh, for a variety of circumstances, I decided to leave uh, Southern California. I didn't find it to be a, a business-friendly state and decided to go to a, a state that would be um, business-friendly. Somebody asked me where I was going to go. I said, I don't know where I'm going to go, but I tell you where I'm not going to go. I ain't going to go to Idaho. I ain't going to live in a cave and I ain't going to own a bunch of guns. Four months later, I announced that I was going to Idaho. And the reason I said that is because I was in a scout jamboree in, I think it was 1967. And I went to Farragut, Idaho. And at the age of 12 or 13 years old, I got a sunstroke. And the doctor looked at me and said, young man, you stay out of Idaho, it'll kill you. Never come back. And by the way, stay out of the sun. So when somebody asked me where I was going to go, I wasn't sure. I just knew I wasn't going to go to Idaho. But uh, And it turned out he's right. Because uh, Idaho will kill me because this is where I'll be buried. So oh. I'm a real Idahoan. Mm. Uh, and I live in Parma, Idaho. So one day oh. I lived in Rancho Santa Fe, California, a very beautiful community. And the next day I woke up in a cornfield out in Parma. And okay. uh, that's been quite an experience. I've never lived among um, a small town community like that. But it's, it's been a very wonderful journey for me. Hmm. Your last name, Conforto, that's uh, very unique. I haven't heard that before. Where where's that come from? Yeah, so it's Italian, um, and it comes from an orphanage in uh, Italy. And every child that went to that orphanage that didn't have a parent was named uh, Conforto, which meant you were to comfort them. It was really a, uh, a fitting name for me because it turned out that I was separated from my parents when I was very young. Hmm. I uh, was raised by my grandparents. By the time I turned 18, I was uh, homeless living in Seattle on the streets. There's a, uh, a film that was produced called Curse is the Ground, the story of me being uh, homeless that really had a big impact in my life and drove my um, life and my thinking and my um, views of how I saw myself and how I saw uh, other people. That information will be uh, revealed in a book called Life Done Right, Everything I Did Wrong, mm. right? <laughs> uh, which will come out here in a couple of, of uh, months of my journey from uh, homelessness to, you know, uh, running some very large companies in America. Well, let's talk about that. So um, how did you find yourself from being homeless to, you know, heading huge companies as you, as you are now? Um, you know, one of the things about um, being homeless is you, you have this observation of yourself through the eyes of other people. So if, if you've never been homeless and you're walking down the street and somebody in, looks at you and goes, hmm, I'm looking at a homeless person, the first thing they do is they look away mm. as if you're not there. Um, and that had a real big impact in my life because it's, it's really difficult to be, feel like you're somebody who is viewed as nobody, who's trying to go somewhere who's nowhere. Hmm. That is really an impactful um, thing. And I have thought about that all my life. And, and of course, I'm not the only one. And, and all of us 
regardless of the successes that we have in life or the failures that we perceive failures that we have in life, uh, all of us end up at a point in time where we're looking at this reflection of ourselves and we're trying to get a grasp of how we see ourselves, how others see ourselves, and the truth that lies in between there because we either we're too hard on ourselves, right? Or we think too highly of ourselves. And so trying mm -hmm. to find that, how other people see us and have that mirror up to our face is really important. So being homeless, I had to mirror up to my face all the time because nobody would look at my face. So I had to look at myself and mm. determine uh, over and over again what I wanted to do in my life. And every day for a year, I would say, I'm somebody. Mm. I will be somebody. I will do something uh, with my life. And if I do something with my life and I see somebody who's in harm's way or like I was, I will do something about it. So it's very difficult for me to know about a tragedy and not step in the middle of it. I, I don't, I can't observe a homeless person today and not do nothing. Hmm. And I have um, looked internally and have made the decision, having known a lot of homeless people, a lot of them are mentally ill, a lot of them have drug issues. I made the conscious decision that I was not going to judge them. Uh, I was going to judge me and I would give regardless of what they did. That was their mm. decision. Mm. My judgment was what I did, not what they did. So I didn't have take the time to try to manage the process. And, you know, I'm, I'll only give you money if you go into this coffee shop and buy something. Mm. I, 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 I had the freedom to do the right thing. They had the freedom to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And I just allowed them to make um, their own choices. And I made my choice that I could live with, which was always do the right thing, mm -hmm. always do no harm. In, in everything that I did. Hmm. Wow. And how did, so how did you break out of that cycle? I mean, you said you, yeah. you kind of told yourself over and over again, like I am someone, I'm going to do something. Um, you it's know. a, it's a really interesting thing. It's a, I, um, I was homeless, but I had money. Hmm. Uh, when I was asked to leave the house, not for doing anything wrong. I was just, you know, my grandfather was born in 1892. So, you know, it's like 1892. It's like, that's how they thought like, okay, you graduated from high school, leave. Mm. Uh, the unfortunate thing is I didn't have any notice. I just found out the more, the day after I graduated that I had to leave and all my stuff was out on the front porch of the <laughs> house. I didn't know how to rent. Um, an apartment. I had the money to uh, do it. I just didn't know how to do it. Sure. I didn't have a driver's license. I, I, um, Anyway, I worked my way to the uh, shadow of the Space Needle in downtown um, Seattle, outside the um, uh, playhouse there, and and li lived basically under an evergreen tree that was surrounded by bushes so that I could look, but people couldn't see me. Um, other homeless people knew that I was there, and I had this phobia that what little I had would be stolen if I left it. So I guarded it and ran every day back and forth to a a uh, little place to get a bite to eat and a little gas station where I could take a bath in a sink mm. with powder soap. So mm. think about that. Mm -hmm. Think about that, getting powder <laughs> soap in your hair and then trying to get it out. Mm -hmm. um, the bathroom didn't have a mirror. So there was a year I never saw a reflection of my own um, face. So it's a really uh, difficult situation. Seattle is not the most enjoyable city to be outside all year. No, yeah. it, it, well, it isn't. It isn't particularly brutal cold, but at some mm -hmm. nights it does. I had mm -hmm. to stuff my uh, pants and my shirt with newspapers, which is one of the things, an art form that homeless people would know to keep mm -hmm. um, uh, warm. I would huddle around the base of uh, an evergreen uh, tree. I still sleep on my side. I still in in that shape that I sleep in mm -hmm. um, tonight around that that mm -hmm. uh, that tree. Uh, the closer I was to the trunk of the tree, the drier I stayed and the mm. more secure I, f I felt. So, um, but eventually the irony of me breaking out of that cycle is I ran out of money mm. and I didn't eat for two weeks mm. and I knew I was, I was starting to starve and that, uh, I knew I had to do something and I valued my life because that whole year I kept saying, I am somebody, mm -hmm. uh, even though everybody thinks I'm nobody, I'm still somebody I have value to, um, me. I had a dream um, that night that um, changed me. And you can go to DennisConforto.com and go to a little um, little film that's on the bottom there uh, called Cursed is the Ground. It's a short 11-minute uh, film that 
is about this dream mm. and what had um, happened. But eventually, I had no choice but to walk out of the, the bush, which meant that I was going to get robbed. Mm. My stuff was going to be stolen, and I was trying to protect my stuff. So, you know, and then homes became important to me, mm. a home, mm-hmm. because I had no walls. I had no door. I had no window. I had no way to protect my stuff. And, um, and then I was lucky enough to get a, on my way back home um, to beg my grandparents to let me back in. Um, I saw a help wanted sign at a restaurant, and I went in, and the manager said, we're looking for a night manager. Can you cook? And my answer was, can I cook? That was my answer. <laughs> I couldn't cook. Mm-hmm. But I knew I could learn really mm-hmm. fast, and mm-hmm. I learned really quickly. And, uh, uh, and it was it, it, an easy cooking job because it was a kind of a, uh, the original version of McDonald's uh, called Herfie's in Seattle. Uh, some people may have uh, heard, heard of it. It was owned by Campbell Soup at one time. Um, it, was, it, it was really original. But I got to sleep in the restaurant at night because I was the night manager. Everybody would leave and I would stay. Mm. I would sleep. I felt safe and secure. Then in the morning, I would wake up with a little alarm clock and then I'd run to the forest behind the restaurant and hide all day long and then come back in. And then just through my association with other young people, I saw how they bought a car, how they rented a home, uh, an apartment and, uh, how to share. And, and, Hmm. uh, and then from there I, uh, continued on. And then I, I became the, the youngest, uh, manager in the chain running one of the fastest, um, uh, largest volume fast food restaurants in the world um, uh, at the time uh, outside of the University of Washington, University Herfies. Hmm. And, um, and then that started uh, changing my confidence. I happened to be a Mormon. So at that point in time, I made a decision to go on my full-time mission. Hmm. And uh, I was called to serve in New York City. And, uh, and then that forever changed me. Then I had a view of the world from an entirely different perspective. One second I was talking to the wealthiest of the wealthy, and the next second I was talking to somebody who was on the streets. Mm-hmm. I saw little difference between them hmm. other than the condition of life. I mean, I saw them as, as uh, humans. Um, and on my mission, I got shot out with a shotgun, chased with a blowtorch, in the back of the head with a brick, spit in the face more times than you can imagine, had two guard dogs that were commanded to attack me. They both caught me. They both landed me in the hospital. Uh, I began to make observations about society because I served in the Bronx. I served in Brooklyn. I served on Manhattan. I served in Harlem. I could see what was happening with uh, families. And, and, uh, and, and again, all of that had a big impact hmm. uh, on my life, how I viewed everybody in my life. And, uh, and then that experience made me really confident about who I was, my purpose and meaning in my life, what I could do with my life. And, uh, and this constant soft, uh, self-talk about who I was. But at the same time I was talking about who I was, I was also talking about everybody around me, how I saw them, who they were. And so I spent a lot of my life, even today, um, telling people what I think they are, what they are capable of doing. And I do inside the, the company, I do inside the foundation. I do it inside of my family. I do it with my um, friends. I try to spend as much time as I can um, catching people doing things right and explaining and expressing to them how much I believe in them, mm-hmm. how great I think they are. I try to give them a vision of what I see in them that I want them to believe. Not, and then the other thing that's important to me is climbing up a mountain, a really big mountain. I don't like doing little foothills. I like a big mountain. Hmm. And I try to create the biggest mountains that I can create. And then I try to find everybody in my life that I think that this would be an important climb for them. And then for me, the satisfaction of getting to the top of the mountain is not that I get to the top of the mountain, but I drag as many people up there that never thought that they would have an opportunity to be on that mountain. And to me, that's... That's the joy, the real joy of business. That's the real joy of, um, of doing uh, corporate good. That's the real joy of doing no harm. That's the mm. joy of making a difference in people's lives. Give me an example of one of these mountains that you've climbed and you've helped other people come with you. Well, I'll just give you the mountain I'm on now because that's okay. the most important. And, uh, it, 
there's something about taking a, a bow in Act One and Two of your life when you're in Act Five. So uh, you know, all of the accomplishments that I had in the past are um, they're almost meaningless because it, it was a different time. I was a different person. It was a different team. I was wearing a different um, uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, starting those companies, I was influential and um, an important um, part of the process. But I look at all of these responsibilities I have as very temporary. You know, I've always been the temporary CEO. I've always been the temporary executive vice president. I've always been the temporary president. Hmm. Um, you know, everything in life is temporary. There's nothing that is um, permanent except for how you feel about people and how mm-hmm. you work your life so they have uh, similar feelings towards you that you have towards them. I, and my observation of my life is I work very hard at I, not being liked, but being respected and hope that I'm liked in the process. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, I want people to like me. And so I work very hard on being a likable um, person. I try to make every conversation, like this one we're having right now, as meaningful and as impactful as I can. I measure every word, every phrase, everything that I think um, that would be important for you to hear or people who are out there listening um, to me speak, that would be important to them, that they could take one little gem of a thought and go like, that was a good thought for the day. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, that... That gives me a different perspective. So I try to give that um, in, in every uh, aspect. So when I started House Check out in a cornfield in Parma, Idaho, mm-hmm. it was a result of a neighbor coming to me and knocking on my door and asking a question. So I'm, a, I'm the kind of person who is a, a solution looking for a problem. That's hmm. my gift. Okay. I am an unconscious confidant. It frustrates the heck out of me. Think about that. An unconscious confident. I'm really good at something, but I'm unconscious to how I do it. And I love to teach. So to teach somebody that I'm not consciously aware of how it works is frustrating to me because this ability to solve a problem is a great gift that I have that I don't know how to tell anybody else how to do. And so one way I feel like a failure because I don't know how it works. You know, just it's like a person who can you know, make a Rubik's cube go in two seconds, right? Mm-hmm. They just have it down and it becomes natural for them. So for me, it, it's natural to take um, complex problems and solve them uh, and come up with elegant solutions. Al- almost every company I, I have been involved, whether I was on the industry standards for barcoding worldwide, which is a big thing, or electronic data interchange standards, which is a big thing, or creating supply chain management systems. Every one of these businesses, I was not qualified on paper to do any of those businesses. I was qualified to have a dream. Mm. I was qualified to have a vision. I was qualified to figure out a solution that other people couldn't see. I was qualified to see a seam and opportunities that others could not see uh, in that process. So my neighbor comes to me, he says to me, I, I work in Boise, I'm traveling back and forth, I do remodels, but I have a little inspection business on the side. If I could just figure out how to do three more inspections a week, uh, I could actually give myself a raise. The, the remodel business that I've been involved in, I haven't had a raise in 15 years, and I, I, I need to give me a raise. Can you help me figure out how to do three more inspections a week? And I'm like, Pfft. If I can't figure out how to do that based on other things that I have done, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, I've kind of lost my way in my life and I lost my skill and talent. So I said, uh, sure. So he comes in and uh, long story short, about a, a, an hour to 90 minutes later, I look at up at him and I said, actually, what you can do is three and a half million inspections. You can create a publicly held company with a $10 billion market cap. You can invert the business model. You can change the way real estate is forever done. You can create a, an environment where people can buy and sell a home with a surety. And he looked at me, and he, he just kind of blinked and said, I, Dennis, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I just need three inspections. I don't need three and a half million inspections. And I said, <laughs> I said his name is Perry Campbell. Um, I said, Perry, he, it takes just as much work to do three as it does three and a half million. You know, you're still going to work 12 hours a day. It doesn't really matter. It's just the size of the idea that you want to go after and mm-hmm. then figuring out how to get other people to do it. And so anyway, I gave him, you know, I gave him the information and uh, about uh, 
about a year and a half later, I called Perry up and I said, what are you doing with that business plan? He goes, nothing. I told you. I'm not that guy. I said, well, can I have it back? And he said, well, isn't it on your PC? And I go, yeah. He said, well, I don't know why you're asking it for, wait a second, why do you want it back? I said, because I'm going to do it. He says, okay, you can't have it back. And I go, what? He says, uh, yeah, I'll give it back to you under one condition. And I go, what? He says, you hire me. I go, okay, you're hired. Let's go, let's go do this. And, um, and then I, I, I told him I'd contact him in about uh, two or three weeks. About two or three weeks later, I called him and I said, okay, here's the executive team. Here's the board of directors. This is what we're going to do. I, Perry fell over and fainted. He couldn't believe the speed at which I had organized um, very large players uh, in my world and in my network to um, drop what they were doing and start to head in a different um, direction. Um, so now I, I sit in meetings and it's very interesting um, to me because I listen to people give speeches that I gave. I suppose it's, and, and I, trust me, I'm no Paul McCartney, but it's just an equivalent. I suppose it would be like a musician watching somebody else play their song mm. and going like, wow, there's my song, there's my thought, there's my work, there's my music, there's my, there's my belief, there's my passion. I watch it. I watch people um, start to, to, to have the, this great passion and what it is we do, whether they're inspectors, whether they're people in marketing, whether they're executives on the executive team, whether it's the new president, Bill Clem, that we just brought into the company. All these people have got tremendous talents, tremendous track records, the ability to execute at a large um, scale. And here we are in little Boise, Idaho. And it turns out I, there's, a, there's a movie I love. It's the greatest movie in the world for me. It is, for me, it's like it was written for me, called The Greatest Showman. Mm -hmm. I listen to it every day. I l listen to the music. It plays in my card. Uh, I sing it every time I can. I get very passionate about it. Because, and anybody who's entrepreneurial can go into that movie and get it in two seconds. They'll feel the passion. They'll feel the burn of every song. They'll recognize themselves and, and, and all of that. Um, the tremendous success, the failure, then the success again. Um, all of those are in that, uh, in that uh, musical. And one of, the thing, one of the lines in there is, everything I ever needed, everything I ever wanted, for me, is found in Boise. And that is the biggest shock of my life. Hmm. Every piece of technology, every person of influence, every right contact that I need is in Boise, the last place I would have expected it to be. The perfect people, the perfect match, the perfect temperament, the perfect place to create a perfect corporate culture is in, is in Boise, Idaho. Hmm. I couldn't do it in the Bay. I couldn't do it in Seattle. Hmm. As nice as San Diego is, I couldn't do it in, in, um, in San Diego. There's something amazing about Boise. Boise doesn't even know how amazing Boise is. It's shocking. Huh how terrific this town uh, is, how cool this town is. And as I bring really senior players into the organization and they come into Boise, they literally walk around the streets and go, wow, what, what a gem this place is. Now, one of the reasons that it's perfect for us is because we are going to do something massive here. We are going to, we have found a sliver in the marketplace of the largest industry in the world, which is real estate. In this country, it is a $35 trillion asset-based business. We found a multi-billion dollar seam that nobody has paid attention to. It's one of those Warren Buffett models. You have something that isn't sexy, that everybody needs to do, and figure a way to do it better and faster than any, anybody uh, else. And what we have done and what we have figured out is shockingly smart, shockingly good, and everybody that we meet knows we're right. And everybody asks the same question. I wonder why it has never been done before. And the reason it's never been done before is because it's a really big thought. People don't like thinking really big thoughts because then they look at themselves and like say, you know, can I create, a, a, can, I, can I grow an organization to 10,000 employees in five years? Now, you got to, when you have that thought, you, you got to look in the mirror and say, I, I can do this. I, I can do this. I have enough experience in my life. I've, I've experienced enough. I can do this, and I, I believe in myself to do it. And I'm going to go find people 
like me who have done similar things, and I'm going to get them to believe. And I've done that. Hmm. And the more people I add to the team, the more assured we be, become in what it is that we have done. Secretly, in Little Treasure Valley here, we're the largest inspection company here. We have more people on staff, more inspectors, and, anybody, and nobody knows it. Hmm. We're, technically, we're the largest uh, inspection company in Idaho. But we're only in, in Boise, so nobody else in Idaho uh, knows it. We're probably the fourth largest multi-inspector firm in the United States. Um, and nobody knows it hmm. uh, in terms of our staffing and our capability. Um, and, and in all of this, we have done something else unusual. I'll tell you, we broke a big rule. Here's the big rule we broke. Hmm. When you start a big company like this, in about five years, you create your foundation based on your successes. You, you know, you, you've got, you, you can be good. You can be generous. I decided from the very day we started this that we were going to have a foundation. It's, it's counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of house check is to improve the quality of the home. Ten. To tell people up front, we certify this home. This is a, pre, this is a certified pre-owned home. Mm -hmm. We've inspected it. We re-inspected it. We're signing off on everything on this. We provide agents, uh, like in your business, with a money-back guarantee on what it is we've done. Mm -hmm. We provide the consumer with a $200 handyman coupon because we know there are going to be repairs. We do that on a 4,000-square-foot house for only $399. On top of it, we provide free concierge service so that all of the utilities and all of that stuff that they have to figure out, security systems, and we do all that for free. And on top of that, I tried to look at the real estate industry and said, what's their biggest problem with the home inspection industry? And uh, other than it's a really bad report, it comes at a really bad point in the sales cycle because mm -hmm. there's always something wrong and it's always unknown. What is it we can do to get rid of that liability? So we put a 90-day money-back uh, buyback program on the program. In other words, an agent that does business with us, if the if the person buys a money pit, we'll buy the house back, and I'll list it back with that very agent hmm. right, right again. Because we want them, our brand, uh, and in fact, if you think about what a brand is, the definition of a brand is a promise kept. That's what it is. Hmm. Levi has a brand. Mercedes has a brand. Uh, Front Street Brokers has a brand. We hmm. all have a brand. There's hmm. a couple of things that we want to keep. A if somebody buys a house that we put our, our name on it, we back it up. We don't represent the buyer. We don't represent the seller. We represent the house. That's what we represent. The House Check Foundation is not, has nothing to do with the physical home. The House Check Foundation is about improving the quality of life within the home. Hmm. It, it is a foundation for foundations. Every transaction that we have, we donate to the House Check Foundation for battered women and children. Now, why do I have a passion for that? Because I've looked at my, the history of my um, life, and I had a grandmother that was abused. I had a mother that was abused. I had a mother who was also a, an abuser. I had a, a, a sister that was abused. I have a daughter that was abused. The daughter being abused broke my back. That's where I finally said, this is a really big problem, and it is really complicated. And we need to do a better job, and we need to go faster. The legal systems are too slow. They respond too slow. Um, w this idea that women uh, will, you know, some Stockholm syndrome will go back to these individuals to get the tar beat out of them is ridiculous. It's not true. It's a lie. It's a myth. The reason they go back is because they will sacrifice their lives for the lives of their children to make sure they have a roof over their head and they have food on the table. My daughter would have allowed um, what happened to her. She, she would probably allowed herself to be beaten to death to protect those um, kids. And if she didn't have me for a father, the system would have failed her. The legal system would have failed her. In a very friendly family state of Utah, it failed. Mm. It's failing all over, the, all over the place. And the legal system in this process is entirely too slow. It's entirely too expensive. Mm. And people are vulnerable. Children are vulnerable. Women are vulnerable. And by the way, it isn't just about women and children that, that this happens to. There are men that are abused as well in all of these abusive relationships where men are doing 80% of the abuse, 20% uh, of it are women abusing uh, men. And the reality, my observation of life, in the reality, if everybody was honest, we're all abusers and we've all been abused. 
We've all said things that are, are unkind words. They're, they're a form of abuse. There are things when we uh, don't pay attention to somebody or we won't talk to them or we look the other way and all these little human games that we all play, they're all forms of abuse. Some of it gets out of control, some of it gets bigger, some of it involves uh, financial abuse, some of it involves mental abuse, some of it involves uh, verbal abuse, and some of it involves physical abuse. We do know this, that the strength, and I learned this in the streets of New York City, the strength of our society is in the strength of our families. And if we want to have great businesses, if we want to be a great capitalistic society, it is in the strength of our families. We destroy the families. We don't have a, you, you need socialism in, a, in an environment where the family is destroyed. That's where you need it. But this is not who we are. This is not what America is. This is not what Idaho is or California or any other state in the union. This is not what we're about. We are about, about strengthening uh, families. So our company is completely um, dedicated to that. Now, why did I do it at the front end? Because I had to have a cor corporate culture. Since I'm the temporary CEO of the company, because I, you know, I only get to do this for um, a while, I... I my major responsibility to the corporation and all the people who work for it is set the corporate culture. Now, our business, our theme for our business is uh, inspections done right. Our internal university program is business done right. Our foundation, love done right, which is why my book is about life done right, everything I did wrong to figure out what life is, uh, what love done right looks like. And so here in a while, the House Check Foundation will be introduced to Boise through the House Check Gala uh, that we will have at the Grove Hotel on November 2nd. It's scheduled for now. Well, we will do something that nobody in this town has ever seen before. People will go into that room and see something and feel something they have never seen or felt before. They will learn something they hadn't seen before, and they will laugh more than they have ever laughed before. But when they walk into that room, it is going to be shock and awe for them to understand what it is that we are committed to do and how far we are willing to go to get rid of this, um, this um, behavior in society that jeopardizes all of us, that jeopardizes all of us. Your business, Front Street Brokers, would have a healthier business if all families were healthier. We'd have a stronger economy, everything. So at some point in time, you gotta, you got to focus in on that at the same time you're doing it. And the wonderful thing about the House Check Foundation is it, it's perfect for us. Think about this. The foundation of our company, the foundation of a home, is the House Check Foundation. I mean, it's so utterly perfect what we have done and the way that we have constructed this. We have a national foundation, board of directors. We have a local chapter here. We are creating 210 chapters of this foundation across the country. This is not a little teeny thing. Mm -hmm. I will go to GE and Home Depot and Lowe's and I will ask them to match what we hope will be our 8 million or 10 million with their 8 million and 10 million. I want to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to, to solve this curse. And it's not just only about protecting women and children who've been abused. But you also have the abuser, the man who did the abuse. They need to be healed because they're just going to go out and do it again. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just this one little kind of, you know, provide a little protection. And we've got to get people to go from where, they, where they're a victim to where they are self-sustaining and have their integrity um, back. And we can prove that we um, can do that. Now, I know a little bit about this in my personal life. I've had... Um, seven children. I had two sons that um, died. I've got uh, 27 grandchildren. Um, but I also had 40 foster children because of what happened to me in my life. I can't, I cannot see something and walk mm. by it. I can't do it. Wow. So you have to, you have, you can't just throw money at it. You have to put your heart and your mind and your soul and your time into this stuff or it's meaningless. I had, but the big thing I learned about time was 16 age unwed moms that came to me that decided that they wanted to keep their, um, their baby and then had to give up the baby, but stayed in contact and then finished high school and then went on to go to college and then went on to get married and still stayed in contact with a family. That all takes effort. Mm -hmm. It all takes time. It takes a lot of love and understanding. Parents that get upset because 
you know, they didn't want to see their daughter in that uh, situation. Uh, it, it's complex because oftentimes parents uh, will say to a young daughter, you lied in that bed, you will keep this child. And that may be the worst thing for them. Hmm. That may create all sorts of, of problems. So it's, it's complex. So you got you to put time into it. And you got to end up being uh, a, a little bit of an expert in that area. So that, you know, I, that'll give you a little bit of background of mm -hmm. how I think corporately, but how I think about do no harm. Do no harm in all that I do in my life. Do not say something that is unkind to somebody. Always um, never put somebody in a position where they have to defend themselves or what it is that they do and try to catch people doing things right. And to do that, you have to put in time. Mm. Wow. So I, I like the idea of how you've built in this culture, um, this foundation of of your company from the get go of, of how you, you know, want to grow it, but, but and to serve and to protect, you know, those who uh, those sure. families. And uh, so but I, what's unclear to me and maybe you can help me understand sure. is um, I think for some of the people who might be listening to this, it's like well, not really clear what house check does and it sounds like it's very innovative for the space in this giant industry right. uh, but help us understand more about that so we're doing an uber like model for the home inspection industry there are 30,000 approximately 30,000 home inspectors in the United States there's basically enough work for 10,000 mm -hmm. okay because the barrier of entry is almost zero if I'm living here in Boise, I didn't know oh, I can be 18 years old. I can go online. I can take spend $1,200 on an online test and get a certification of a home inspector. It's that fast. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, I then, if you think about the business model for them, it is a, a bag of donuts, a couple of business cards. You run around to uh, brokers' offices like yours. Mm -hmm. You hand out the, and you pray that somebody will give you business. If they don't give you business, then the model is. Just try me once. I'll do it for, you know, I'll do it for $250. No, mm. uh, I'll do it for $199. I'll do it for $50. I, I'll pay you. You mm -hmm. know, they get to the point where it's like, just just have an experience with me, and I promise I will um, deliver to you on this. The problem with the industry is it has no real standards. I mean, there are standards. Uh, there, the associations are, are great. But 27 states in the union have very strict laws related to this. Idaho doesn't have a law related to this. It's mm. The law of Idaho, well, Idaho is shaped like a gun, so that's the law, right? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> if you don't like it, everybody's got a gun, so mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna make me happy one way or another. So here's my gun, <laughs> I'll put it on the table, you make me happy, and, and everybody goes, okay, well, that's a, that's a good law, that works for me, I'll make you happy, Here, whatever we're gonna do. So for us, it was really, how do you, how do you scale this out. How do you create a series of products and services that heretofore haven't been seen? I'll give you a couple examples. If you're a realtor in this marketplace and you want to get an inspection, if you called house check this morning, we would have had the inspection done today and hopefully giving you the report by today before the end of the day. Oh. That is about speed. Yeah. Speed is everything in real estate. Mm -hmm. I, we don't want people waiting around. We want it to be uh, fast. There's a, a, a small charge for that, $49, if you want it super fast, if you can wait till the next day, it's, then super speed is, is free. Mm -hmm. But if you want super duper speed, right. there's a little, there's a little, um, there's a, a, a tool, a mechanism for you um, to do that. Um, when we uh, uh, arrive, we um, have our inspectors go through our own internal um, training programs internally. We have our own software um, tools. So when, once we are completed with the inspection, the report was almost virtually um, done. Um, we have a whole host of services that eventually we'll be releasing nine different lab test reports that we can do far beyond what anybody else can do. So if you're a property owner in this marketplace uh, and you own a lot of property, you may know that if somebody opens a meth lab in your house and somebody else moves in and they get sick, you're liable for it. Mm -hmm. So we have the ability to go into rental in income properties and we can do a variety of tests, including if there's a a meth lab in there, and then at least you know, and then you can do something to make sure you don't have any liabilities going uh, fo forward. Mm -hmm. So we are 
We are interested in working with buyers on the back end of the pro process of doing inspections, where we're interested in working with sellers on the front end of the process. We're working, interested in working with builders who typically don't do uh, home inspections, but there's a whole host of reasons for them to do that. Property owners- Smart as ones I, do. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, uh, property owners um, can use this. HOAs hmm. can also um, do this. In the state of Florida, they have now come up with a law that every 10 years, every home in Florida has to be inspected. Really? You know why? They don't want blight. Oh. They don't want blight. It becomes a very obvious thing. Mm. So now we have a predictable marketplace that is in, in that more and more time it'll be a requirement. But what are we really after? What is it that we're really trying to do? What is the ultimate thing here of doing this right? We want to invert the business model. So you think about the two role, roles of a real estate agent. Sell and negotiate. Sell, negotiate. Anybody who knows anything about selling and negotiate knows you take all of the problems, you get them known on the front end, and, and then the closing process is a natural um, um, conclusion to everything being done right up front. That's why I'm always insisting on an inspection up front. Right. Because otherwise, I don't know how to protect you if I don't know what's coming. Right. But 95% of all inspections in the United States are done on the back end. You're right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so now you've got this environment where it's done on the back end. You're Now somebody's made a bid on your home. Now you get the inspection report. And the other thing is then somebody comes in and does an evaluation of the value of the home, right? An appraisal. Mm -hmm. And think about that. You've gone through this whole transaction. The buyer has now bought a house. They don't know what they bought and they don't know the value of it, but they put a bid on, on it to find out if the price is right. It's right. like, wh who, what other industry does that? None, <laughs> I, zero. Right. But there was an industry that was similar to this, which was the car industry. Equifax, what is the Carfax? Well, Carfax, right. Carfax, and Bill Clem, who's the president of HouseCheck, was a past president, a divisional president of Ford Motor Company. He created the certified pre-owned car. Mm -hmm. He was the one that gave the files to the Carfax guys, the Bill Carfax, to a, you know, a, a company with a market cap of $5 billion. Right. Essentially what HouseCheck is going to do is become that, that business model for the industry. Imagine now for the first time, a customer making a purchase on the largest purchase of their life, but they can go to an MLS listing, um, click on that logo, that house check. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's only three logos in the, in the world like that. One is owned by Apple, one is owned by Target, and one is owned by house check, where you can look at the logo and figure out what the heck the name is. You don't have to guess. I, I knew I was on the right track when somebody who didn't even know me, didn't know what I did, looked at my lapel pin and said, hey, tell me about house check. And then I went like, okay, now <laughs> um, that's good. If mm -hmm. they can figure out my name by just looking at that, that's great. Mm -hmm. So imagine that house check logo on that MLS listing and you click open that logo and you get the energy rating of the house, mm -hmm. what you want to do as a real estate agent. Why? Because there is a 15% uplift factor from Fannie Mae for the loan on that house. Most people don't know that. There's a big incentive um, there, regardless of the score. You can uh, open up our uh, inspection report. You could open up, if they did a pre-certified own home, and you can look at the re-inspection that all everything was corrected. But we also bundled something else in it. We created a, a home warranty division. It's a house check home warranty. Mm. Why? Because we're trying to make it fast and easy for a real estate agent to just do business with one company and just get it done. Just Call us, we'll put the, the whole package together to get that whole transaction done upright and up, up front. We created a series of alliance programs so that the buyer uh, or, or the seller, if they're on the back end, you know, the sell, poor seller, you know, they got 10 days to close the deal based on the RE10 report, right? Mm -hmm. they, they got all of these things to fix. They, they're not going to get them fixed. And if they do get them fixed, there is a whole pricing structure for that. You're going to get nailed. If something costs $800, you're going to pay $2,000 because you're, it's a rush job and everybody's got to take it out of queue and they'll get it done mm -hmm. for you. And that's not the way to, to solve that problem. So the end result is in the industry, billions of dollars in discounting uh, is done greater than the cost of the repair. Not just billions, hundreds of billions, mm. hundreds of billions of dollars in commissionable commissions that could have gone to the sales force that didn't do it on the front end and they walk away from it. Mm -hmm. 
It's bad for the seller. It's actually bad for the buyer. It's bad for the real estate agent. It's bad for the broker. It slows down the whole pro process. And yet, everybody does it that way. It is the standard in the in industry. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have identified as one of many seams that we have discovered in, in this whole uh, process. Um, they're, they're, house check is a whole lot more than an inspection company. We have a whole host of capabilities that people aren't uh, aware of. Uh, of as we go in in the marketplace and Boise will just here in a in a few weeks we'll begin to see the marketing and lead generation power of house check mm. and then one day in this city house check is going to build a corporate office like this city has never seen a couple I've shown it to the renderings to a couple of people it'll literally be the icon of, of Boise and from this little town of Boise, Idaho, we will lead a revolution that will change the way that people sell homes with integrity. Hmm. Because the only way you can sell a home with anything with integrity is to know everything about what it is that you are personally selling to make sure that you're selling it um, correctly and, and everything is uh, disclosed. Hmm. You know, think about the process of knowingly s selling something you're trying to hide. Right. You know, mm -hmm. this is why people didn't trust the used car guys sure you know they they painted up the engine and made it look good and there was a massive problem and the industry saw that it was hurting the industry and they they got rid of it hmm. they totally got rid of it and they sold a, a used car like it was new and that whole business became more uh, profitable as a result of it hmm. yeah Wow, that's some. I, I love the uh, vision of what you're attempting to do, doing what you're doing. We are doing. We're yeah. not. We're not. A, you know, a lot of times I hear people say, "Gee, it sounds like a great theory." It's not a, a, a theory. We're doing it today. Yeah, it's not a great thing. Thing that uh, it's not a vision of the future. The vision of the future is today, living and alive in in uh, in, in Boise. But here's the best thing: eighty percent, well, seventy-five percent of all the real estate agents in the country are female. So to real estate agents, when you do business with us, we are doing the one thing you want us to do as a company, doing more good. We're protecting women and children. You, you can do business with anybody, but if you want to do business with a company that where you have to do the transaction anyway, and you want to get a better transaction with reduced liability, but you also want the company to do more good, there is no other choice mm -hmm. than house check because we do inspections done right. And the house check foundation does love done right. Wow. Well, I, I can't uh, I can't wait to see this all unfold. I mean, and I've experienced it uh, myself. So this is a uh, really exciting stuff, Dennis. Um, I think uh, having the background you did and the, all the different experiences that you've had yeah. has pro it, it has to I have to believe that's led to this. As you said earlier, you can have you can have a more measured idea, or you can have this monumental one. Um, it's the same hours per day. You're going to be fighting for it. Um, and I think uh, not enough people think big enough. And, uh, and I love to see it when people are thinking as big as you are and um, acting and, and transforming things the way you are. It's really inspiring. And, uh, it's, and it's really fun to see it happen right here in our, in our, in our community. And so it's... Uh, um, well, really we really, cool. honestly, we really want Boise to be proud of House Check. We really want this to be a beloved company. Now, think about this: we provide a report that is a problem, right? Mm -hmm. We have solutions to make the the problem go away quickly by doing things on the on the front end. Um, but on the other side of the the coin, um, we want to be a beloved company. What will make House Check a beloved company is the House Check Foundation. That's what will make us beloved. It is part of our brand. It is part of our strategy. It is not a you know. It is not a marketing ploy. It is not um, our everybody in our company. When we have when we're ten thousand strong, we will pay the salaries of ten thousand employees to go out within the House Check Foundation community, and at least two days a year and work for the foundation, paid. I mean, we're absolutely committed. Every time they're out working, they know that just as a course of doing an inspection or a lab test or selling an, uh, a warranty policy, whatever it is that we do, 
Every day we're helping women and children or we're healing men who are abusers every mm. single day. I love it. I love it, Dennis. Sounds really, really good. I can't wait to, I mean, I, it's, this is a, a really inspirational, uh, a path that you guys were on. And I, 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 and it's like something that I hope more companies follow this idea of, of building, not just you just an amazing company, but building, you know, up the community at the same time and supporting it. I, that's always uh, been a passion of mine. And I, and you, well, know, you do it. You do it. I mean, I, I went to to uh, one of your impact clubs, and clearly you do it. And clearly, this is a passion. Well, and, and it, you, you know, for a lot of us, you know, people who are out there, you know, we don't always know what we're doing. We're just like, I, I want to do something. Oh, here's an idea. Let's run with it. Right. And uh, and 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 you know, and so a lot of times, and be fearless. Yeah. Right. Right. And <laughs> and a lot of times it works out. Sometimes you got to climb lots of walls or mountains, and um, and hopefully. Um, we learn a lot on the, on the way. But. Yeah, well, that's the great lesson of life, isn't it? Yeah. So it's about winning. It, you know, some people look at it as winning and losing. I've always looked at it as winning and learning. Mm -hmm. I only lose if I don't learn. But I am willing to, I, I'm perfectly okay with, um, with learning at, the, at, at what other people look at as a loss. I've never lost. Even when I was homeless, I did not lose. I was winning the whole time because I was learning. Yeah. So it's win or lose. That's one view or it's win and learn. I, I think the world is a better place. I think we're all a better people if we just believe that it's win and learn. Well, on that note, uh, we'll wrap this up. We, I wish I could t talk to you for hours. We do have a, a limited time that they give us, but, uh, thank you for coming in and speaking with us, Dennis. Um, you can go to housecheckfoundation.org for more information. I'll be posting more information about Dennis and the, and the, and the websites he's mentioned during the show on our website, idospeakeasy.com, and uh, a lot more details about what we spoke today. So, Dennis, thanks for coming in. Thank it's you. It's been amazing having you here. And, Thank you. Uh, um, I learned, got a lot from it, so I know people listening. Well, too. I listen. The great thing about all of this is if you end up doing business with me, then I know this was a successful interview. So I invite you, if you haven't done business with Housecheck, to experience it. And we'll, we will be glad to experience business with you. Okay. Awesome. All right, Dennis. Thanks for coming in. And uh, close the deal. Right. There you go. All right. Well, we talk, well again, for, your, for those listening, go to IdahoSpeakeasy.com. For if you missed part of the interview, we'll, we'll post it there. We'll see you back next time. Take care, everyone. <laughs>